Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Allison from the Locally Sourced Podcast. On this episode, I have a very special guest with me today. His name is Nick Peters Bond. Um, just to start as a little intro, Nick is a father, a husband, a co-owner of a catering company called Kitchen to Isle Catering in Events, and a two-time contestant on Hell's Kitchen Season 14 in Hell's Kitchen All-Stars, and also an, a contestant on Chopped Sweet. So Nick, with everything going on, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you being on this. You seem like a pretty busy guy. So, I mean, with your schedule and all, it's awesome to have you on the show and to talk about your past endeavors, your current mm-hmm. endeavors, and your recent uh, future endeavors. Yeah. Um, so before we really get into the deep conversation, let's just talk about who you are when you take the apron off. Why don't you start by telling us what your life is like when you're not on Hell's Kitchen or doing your catering business? So I have a daughter. Her name is Savannah. Um, my husband and I, so we fostered to adopt. So she was our foster child from the time she was born. So we went, we got her literally from the hospital at six days old. And then she's been with us ever since. So that's literally what I'm, people are like, you have any hobbies? And I'm like, my child, is that a hobby? Because I feel like I don't have time for other hobbies than like playing with my kid and like taking her places or whatever. Um, so yeah, so we ado- I adopted my daughter um, officially as of last September, this past September. Um, so she keeps me very busy. <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations. How, how was uh, that process? Um, it, was, it was good. I mean, my husband and I initially, I had always really wanted a biological child. Um, and I don't know if that was just like in my head. Like I thought like, I really, because I, I was just, it was more so curiosity. Like I would, I would like to see what my children would look like. But then I was like, you know what, the amount of money people pay to go through the IVF process, and obviously it's not covered by insurance because we're two men, and so it's not like there's infertility struggles or things like that. So I was like, you know what, let's look into private adoption. Then it was like, you know what, let's just, there's so many kids that need, foster kids that need a home, and then kids that need a a long-term placement. So we initially said, we really want a newborn, and they like laughed at us. They're like, there are no newborns available for adoption. You have to like foster to adopt if you want that and we're like you know what we wanted the experience of raising a child from from birth just to have that like bond and like have that imprint on them to like you know raise them um so we did that we took a chance and it obviously ended up working out and I know that we're really lucky because a lot of other foster parents and you know a lot of issues arise when you're a foster child and you can go back with your biological parents and in and out of foster care and all that kind of stuff so it was definitely nerve wracking to have a foster child and get so connected so instantly and then have a fear of like, you know what, this child can go home at any moment. Um, that was scary. And so, but you know what, it ended up working out and I, and people ask me all the time if they think that like if people have infertility struggles, they ask me, well, oh, how was your experience? And I always tell people it was awesome because we went through um, Haverhill DCF that at the time that was our area office and we had a really positive experience with it. Um, so yeah, I always tell people if you're struggling with infertility and you are open to adoption or fostering, then you should definitely do it because it's, it's such a rewarding, um, rewarding, rewarding experience. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, my husband and I, before we had our first son, we looked into adoption. Mm -hmm. Um, I myself was adopted from Korea and we went over to actually the Wolfham office. It's called New Horizons. Mm -hmm. And we looked into adoption and, um, you know, we went to the meetings, we went to the parents' meetings, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, just at the time where we were, 
it was just so expensive. The amount of yeah. money you pay, unfortunately for an overseas child, it was yeah crazy. And I was yeah. just thinking, wow, to, yeah. you know, these children need homes, they need a yeah. place to live. And they're coming to this country that they don't know, but we're, we're paying yeah. out of our pockets beyond yeah. pockets. So um, we, we unfortunately didn't do it but we will look into it in the future. We just don't live in a house. So we were nervous. Yeah. We wouldn't pass the interview. Yeah. Um, but know, it's, yeah, it's, scary. it's a crazy process to even think about. It takes yeah. years. And I don't think people mm -hmm. understand that it takes yep. a very, very long time just to adopt and even fostering to adoption. You could go yeah. through multiple kids before you oh, yeah. fit for the right one. Right. I think, so yeah we, yeah. Were, we just ended up being lucky honestly and that's what they even told us that they were like we can count on, on one hand the number of times that this situation ends up working out and we knew that that we were like super lucky um and yeah so she's <clears throat> she's from Massachusetts like she was born in Boston a lot of people ask me that they say like oh where is she from and I'm like Boston, Boston? <laughs> she was born in Boston she's just a little girl yeah but people uh, people do automatically associate a couple who's adopting with a different country, which I think is very interesting, but that process is so lengthy and can be so expensive. And a lot of times they have you like travel to the country where the child's from and like that can get kind of crazy. And um, we just, I, it was free for us. I mean, it, the map training through the state is free. So if people are worried about adoption fees or like paying anything, you don't, you, it's, it's free to adopt or to foster a child. It's just your time. So I should say through the state of Massachusetts, at least that's my experience. It didn't cost us any money. It was more just like taking a legal risk and then it paid off. So yeah, if people are, if people are concerned about money, I think going through like your local DCF office is a good place to start. And um, there's thousands upon thousands of children in Massachusetts that need homes of all different age ranges. So it's worth looking into if people are interested in it. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. I think, you know, I think people worry about the restrictions and mm -hmm. what they have to offer. But, yeah. you know, like you said, you take courses and they teach you so much. And it's yep. like having a child. You should think about it. Yeah, <laughs> Can't know. just go off and be in Angelina Jolie and go to like a village and take 10 right. kids home with you. But that's what people think. People <laughs> yeah. that. They're like, I'm going to go to the Peace Corps and then I'm going to go off to a yeah. little village and take home a little child and change their life forever. I know. I, I think people do think that about like adoption or, or fostering and that it's mm -hmm. like, you can just jet, jet set to a country and pick up a child and leave. And that's just not, that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess if you're famous, like Angelina, yes, something could happen. Yeah. Of course, right. if they have a chance of a great life with them. Yeah. I'm sure there's a little, little side back to what they're doing. Maybe side steps they can skip. But, Probably because um, of money. I think that plays a huge Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And they know the person from movies yeah. and so forth yeah. <laughs> get know, to skip the line but um yeah. that's really cool I mean like you said so many people need the support and these children yeah. are out there who need to be adopted would you be interested in adopting another child or just yes. too busy uh, at the moment you think <laughs> right now we're busy but we did just open our home like back up basically after we finalized our adoption of Savannah we basically told them to like leave us alone for a year because they, they, they still will, would call, they didn't, but they would have called with other placements um, just because that's their job is to call and be like, all right, you're a foster family. Hey, are you interested in doing X, Y, and Z? So we just said, let's hold off for a little bit. We really just want to enjoy, and we can finally breathe and be like, okay, 
she's officially adopted. We don't have to worry about anything. There's no like hidden things going on. It's like, she's our child now. So let's enjoy it. And it, it's been such a fun ride. Like she's such a funny, like sweet child. It's just so funny to see kids grow up and like their personalities develop. Um, she's very sassy, but she, we do. We're, we're, we just opened our home back up again. So we're, we're thinking it'll probably won't happen until next year. Um, but we're, we, we, would like to just go straight adoption route because I don't know that I, now that we have another child or we have a child in our house, I don't think it would be fair to her to have to go through that like loss of a sibling if she doesn't fully understand the concept yet. And then, you know, I still keep in touch with one of like our like teachers from our MAP training and she is, she's a foster and adoptive parent as well. And she's like, you know what? It does teach them to deal with loss and loving. And I'm like, I want, I wish I could have that outlook that like oh it'll teach her in the long run like with loss but just to me I'm like so protective over her I don't want her to like get attached to a child and have the child be taken away um so we're looking into straight adoption um so yeah we just open our home back up again so we'll see we'll see what happens awesome well thank you that's really yeah, generous of, of you and you know anyone out there who's thinking of it it worked out for Nick and his husband totally. which is totally cool mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's funny when you mentioned how you watch her grow up, myself as an adopted child, despite me being blood related, I have so many qualities about my mother that like, I don't recognize and like, oh, you're so much like your mother. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Not that it's a bad thing, but it's like right. when you adopt them at a, such a young age, they right. do take on your personality. And 100%. <laughs> it's just, they see you and they're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And they repeat everything. So <laughs> exactly. repeat a lot of phrases that my parents, my dad is, my parents are so funny, but I'm like, you guys, she says some phrases. I'm like, that's definitely from your grandmother. It's not from here. I'm like, oh, but it is, it's true. You know, and sometimes I don't, every day I'm not like, she's not my biological, biological child. I genuinely feel like she is sometimes. And I do have like this, oddly enough to say maternal, I do have this like instinct as her parent to like protect her and want to, want everything good to happen to her. And so it's, it is interesting how they take on your personality, even though she's not blood related to me. Um, but it's funny how much she is like me. I don't know. It's funny. No, I totally get it. Um, yeah. it. It's crazy. It's just any kid will take on whoever they, will. And, and that, they and spend days with and mm -hmm. months and all of yeah. a sudden they're a mini you. Yeah, it's true. And then they, people say about like, what is it? Nature versus nurture. And like, I truly believe that if she was with her biological parents, she would have been in and out of foster care and she would have been just a different child. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I'm ver we're very, very, I, I will say we do know that we're very lucky because a lot of families don't get the smooth transition of how we did. So we know that and um, but we're going to go through it again. And so I think it's worth it to people out there who want to try it. I would say go for it. Yeah. One last thing. So when I came to America, we celebrated my adoption day as mm -hmm. plane day. Do you guys celebrate that with her? So we did. We had like a party, like a little party um, after the court date. So um, yeah, so we, it's just crazy to me. So yeah, we had like a little adoption party and like, she had no idea, but she thought it was fun. You <laughs> do know you do I mean? it every year? We had, well, we, we do like a little thing, but yeah. yeah. 
it's I think nice. It's, it's very it nice to help them understand yeah. uh, where they come from yes. and just to celebrate, not as such as, a, oh, I lost my parents, but a celebration of right. um, a new life, like a chance at life mm -hmm. and a celebration that knowing that two people adopted you yeah. and love you as much as I'm sure your biological parents did, but right. today is a celebration about you yeah. and just becoming a family. So Right. How old we, were you when you came over? Oh, I think I was like 16, 18 months. Okay. I flew over on a plane and ended up in New York. Wow. And then all of a sudden I was in Stoneham and never left. That's so funny. <laughs> so your parents ever come, did, did they tell you, did they come? So I, you know, it's funny. I never thought about the process, nor mm -hmm. have I ever asked about it. I think, like you said, when you adopt at such a young age, you just don't think of it that way. Right. Those are your parents. And right. These are just my parents. We just look differently. But yeah. um, but as I got older, I thought about it. But it, to me, if for I'm not sure if anyone else feels that way, but just asking and wanting to seek out info would just mm -hmm. be disrespectful on my sense. I yeah. don't know if that's the best word. I, but, but I know what you mean. I think a lot of people either have one or two feelings. It's either like, because people ask me, people do ask me a lot, like, are you going to tell your daughter? I'm like, well, I think she's going to figure it out pretty quickly that two men can't have a child. However, I do think that she, we do want to tell her some stuff, but I also want to protect her from what's out there in the world. And like, you know, I, her parents, it, it's a different situation, I'm sure, than yours is that but her parents, they, they didn't give her up. They, she was taken from them because of there was just mental health issues. And I mean, this country is, doesn't really recognize people that have mental health issues and it's undiagnosed because they didn't have health insurance and they were unhealthy people. And just like a, a spiral of their life was just a spiral. So of course, eventually I'm gonna, we're gonna tell her who her parents are and if she does have questions, but I could see how you would think that maybe do like, I guess disrespect, yeah, disrespectful or like, you don't wanna hurt. I feel like for me, I wouldn't wanna hurt my parents' feelings and be like, I want to know who my biological parents are because then they're like, well, wait, what do you mean? Are we not good enough? Like, I feel like that's the feeling I will have is like, what do you mean you want to know? Why? What's wrong? <laughs> no, but and I, I totally get it. Like they spent their lives putting right. me through college. They bought me all the things, raised me just right. like their son. So it's, it's some people ask me, oh, you, you don't want to meet your biological parents, you parent, you don't want to go back to Korea. And I'm like, no, for yeah. me to visit Korea, it's like me being a tourist. Right. Like, that there's nothing that for me to know. I want to be right. like, oh, there's the market I got ice cream from. Right. Right. And it's some people nothing. have that drive. They want to have that connection to their heritage. And some people are like, I, you've been here your whole life. So it's almost like you, this is your life. You know what I mean? It's not like you came here when you were a little bit older and you're like, I miss that like culture. So I get it. Yeah. I think people either have like one or two views about it, but I definitely want to let her know like if she does want to know who her biological parents are, I don't even know at this point if we'd be able to track them down, but um, yeah, I think we would tell her. Yeah. It's it's a tough question and it, yeah. I'm sure the feelings change as they get older. Of course, I'm sure I'll feel differently in like a couple of days. We'll be like, no, she doesn't need to know. Or, <laughs> you're yeah, like, so. no, you're for me. And then a month later, you're like, okay, we'll tell you one little thing. It's like a right. little advent calendar. Just open the door every month. Right, yeah. <laughs> I think when she's older, I think she'll have more questions um because it is interesting how she does she loves to like pretend to be mommy and stuff and I'm wondering when she is going to click that she has two dads and like she gets it and she does talk about mommy and daddy because all the tv shows that she watches or like anything it's always like a male and a female as the parents so it is interesting to see her like she knows that she has two dads but she does pretend to play mommy a lot and stuff like that so I'm just curious to when 
maybe when she's older, she'll probably start asking more questions. But right now she doesn't really, just, she's three. So she doesn't really know. <laughs> yeah. So just, you don't have to answer. This is a little too personal. Does she call yeah. you dad and then your husband dad? Or is it like two separate names? Yeah. So right now it's I'm Dada and my husband Mike is daddy. But I think when she gets older, she'll probably just kind of figure her own thing you know what I mean because I don't I can't see her in high school calling my husband daddy it's a little weird but like right now she's three so it's cute so I think when she's older it'll be she'll figure out her own her own something you know what I mean whether it's I don't know right no I get it yeah Yeah. that's just a straight person question I'm sure you get that all the time um like what do you what do they call you I'm like she calls me whatever she wants I mean she doesn't call me anything she just like points at me or like she'll just like say something silly but yeah right now I'm Dada so I think when she's older she'll probably figure out her own like way to navigate we all do that I mean yeah. I call my mom by her first name sometimes just when right. I talk right. to her right <laughs> I had friends growing up that did that and I was like you call your that, mom that's weird growing up like yeah 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 so once you're old and you're telling like, stories you're like oh yeah. my mom's you say your mom's name or you'll say yeah. something or like acting sarcastic so I'm yeah. sure something will come around but that's yeah. once again that's really cool to adopt and yeah you know it's a great process and I'm glad you had an awesome experience because like you said that's it's not, not a, it's not common it's very no. hard and it could take right. years to adopt a child or even yeah. find a foster family so right once again congrats it's very mm-hmm. nice to yeah. see other adoptee parents out there um yeah. so what does uh your husband do so he works for a company called Trucks, T-R-U-X. And the, uh, everyone asks me, people are like, oh, what does he do? So he's a senior product manager, in, which is like such a random, like a broad title. But his company, basically, I describe it as like an Uber for dump trucks, I guess. So basically, if you had like a construction site and you needed to like get rid of all like the cement and dirt and you go on your app, which is he develops apps. So that's what his like, that's his product is the app. Um, he designs and develops them. So you go on the app and say, you literally pick up your phone and you're like, I already did a dump truck to this address. All right, this person's available. They'll do it for 600 and something dollars an hour. And you hire that person. They come take the stuff away and they leave. So it's kind of like that. Yeah, it's it's a random thing, but- That's true. I never never think there's a market for something. You can get like, you can get hot dates. You can get a a date for a wedding. Yeah. And you're like, no, I just want a dump truck today. Today's well, everything the day. is like on an, on an app now, like DoorDash and all these like Grubhubs and all these food ones. And now it's like, oh, I have a bunch of crap in my yard that need to be lugged away. I'm going to hire someone to come take it away. And that's it. <laughs> I did not know there was an app for that. So that's, uh, yeah. that's good to know. Um, yeah. so he does what, like the app side of it. Okay. Oh, so he like, he does like the coding and yes. all that yep. fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are like two different uh, ends opposite. of the spectrum. You're cooking and he's like off there coding. Yes. Um, very opposite in terms of like our career. He's a really good cook though. I will give him that. Like he's a really good like home cook. Like he makes like he's he, he still has like a passion and like likes following a recipe. Whereas myself, I'm more just like cooking just to cook because it's my job now. Um, not that I've lost passion for it, but it's definitely something that like I have to like with now I'm starting YouTube is now I just start, I have, to, I have to excite myself again because I almost feel like when you start doing a career for so long or it's like, I've only had food related jobs. And so, because I love to eat and I love to cook, but it's like, at sometimes it's like, when you come home, you're like, Oh, I don't want to cook. I was just cooking all day. So it's nice to have a partner that can, that can cook as well. So I'm not stuck cooking all the time. <laughs> I'm sure that helps. Like you said, it's yeah. once you're cooking all day, you probably don't want to stare at another stove or, right. you know, you just want to relax, spend time mm-hmm. with your family. And right. 
Um, so that's nice. Your husband, that's very, that's probably a great compliment saying he's yes. a great chef because yeah, really I is. only do frozen pizza. So, hey, frozen pizza, <laughs> sometimes we do frozen pizza too. I think that's another thing people think is that, like, just because, oh, yeah, that, like, I never give my kids like packaged food. I'm like, please, I'm like, when you're becoming a parent, everything changes. I, I was I'm just going to ask you that. I'm like, what is it that you serve your child that you absolutely despise, but you're like, you know what? They love it. You know what? I'm just not, I've never been like that in terms of like, people always ask me like, when you go out to eat, are you like analyzing a restaurant? I'm like, no, I just want to go and eat and enjoy myself. And I also have expectations. So like, I know ahead of time, like, oh, we're going to go here. Okay, great. Like, I'm not fancy. Like I'll eat whatever. So it's like when I, I have to, I eat the same lunch that my daughter eats and I'm just like, here we are. You know what I mean? So no, I'm not above like feeding my child, like mac and cheese and like chicken nuggets sometimes if she wants it. I'm not, it is. Cause I, I like that too. You know, that's too funny. I think, do your friends get nervous if they're having like a dinner party and they invite you, do they put like a little sidebar to you? Nick, by the way, this is what we're serving. <laughs> I think maybe newer friends or like people that are, they're like, Oh, like, you know, you're a chef. And I'm like, I, you guys just, I don't care. Not my, like my friends that I've known my whole life are, don't even consider me like to be on TV. They're like, okay. You know what I mean? They don't see they're me like, like, okay, let's just go to McDonald's and get your day over. Yeah, they, they don't see me like that. So it's like, they don't care. That's too fun. I think I would be nervous, but then again, I probably just order dinner and like blame everyone who uh, made it, <laughs> but it, it's true. I think it's with, with any profession. So singular like yours is like people get nervous probably yeah. having you over for dinner or yeah. recommending a restaurant or like a musician recommending a concert or playing a song right. It, right. It, you get nervous and it's right like, so that's good to know that you're so humble about whatever oh, it I'll, is. I'll eat I'll eat honestly and I'm not like a picky eater anyways so uh, I've always been like that I always try everything and eat everything and I'm not there are chefs I know that are like that that are like very much like I oh I can't eat that I would never eat that I'm like I mean be realistic you know what I mean especially when you have children and you have a busy life sometimes it's not I'm not gonna make my daughter like a six course meal for breakfast like no no beef wellington for uh, afternoon snack like once in a while I, we will make like like once or twice a week we'll make we'll like fully make something like real like takes a while like the other night we like short ribs and risotto and like my daughter but she eats everything so she'll eat chicken nuggets she'll eat fancy food she we just anything my advice to the new parents is give your kids as much food as possible when they're young because they don't know what it is yet and they don't have that like bias in their brain so they're like brussels sprouts ew no just i give it to her she's like yum great and, <laughs> and then two days later she's like i hate it probably when she's older she'll probably say that but right now she at least she at least tries everything i give her now so we try to give her as much as variety of things as possible yeah you like, just, just yeah. gotta have her try yeah. everything because yeah. i'm I eat everything and that's what yeah. my parents were with me is they basically were like this is what you're eating this is what I'm cooking so this is what you get kind of vibe and we're not as like strict with her about that but it's more like if we're making asparagus or something like she'll eat it she doesn't care yeah that's awesome yeah. so is your love for food when did it start is that like what came up to being a chef or is it like chicken before the egg or egg before yeah. the chicken uh, that's that's a lot of I get the question a lot and it's kind of like it's like a hybrid thing. So I would say when I was in middle school is when it really, when I really started to be like, okay, I genuinely have like a love for food and I have a love for cooking is when it really started in like eighth, eighth ninth grade. Oddly enough, I always said, and I would remember like going to high school, I was like, I'm going to go to Johnson and Wales. Uh, Cause that's like, that was like the culinary school at the time. And I was like, I'm going to go there and I'm going to become a chef. And because I didn't, I didn't play sports. I 
wasn't in drama. I didn't have like that one thing that, that like a lot of people have in high school or like a club or something. And so I ended up taking culinary class and I was so excited for when that happened senior year because it was like a two period thing. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. I can cook for half my day and I love to do it. And I, at the time I was already a line cook. My first line cook job was, do you know the restaurant? It's changed names about 10 times, but it was Melissa's, it was Cromel's back in the day, right in downtown Stoneham. Yeah, it was, I remember when it was Hank's Bakery and they served the Half Moon cookies. Yes, that, yes, that was right My next favorite. To yes, I love the Half Moon cookies, so good. Actually, Caitlin Welch worked there for a long time. And so we didn't shoot, that's how her and I like really got closest because in high school, we both worked at um, Cromel's, which is, which was then Melissa's Main Street Bistro and it's a bunch of names, but um, I was in the kitchen, she was a waitress and then she bartended. And then I also served tables too and, um, but I had my first line cook job at like 16, 17. So I was already kind of deciding my career before I went to college. Um, so then when I ended up did going to culinary school, it was kind of already like I had some base experience. So that kind of like, I would say like middle school, high school is when I really started to like really get into it. Cool. I think, you know, um, high, it's funny because people always say high school is about the time where they started to recognize their talent or mm -hmm. something they're really good at. So it's sad sometimes to see high schools get rid of such programs due to budget yes. cuts. Yeah. It, it's just like, like you said, you got to cook for half the day and that, you know, people don't see it as that gave you a reason to go to school sometimes oh, yeah, I hated high school right like, like I liked my my close friend group obviously and we had fun outside of school but the actual school part I just didn't click with a lot of different classes and some of the people I mean like kids are mean and it was almost like an escape where I was like all right I know I have two periods where I can just like it was easy to me like it wasn't like hard to like make a recipe where other kids were like oh we have to go to culinary I don't know how to freaking cook like whatever where I was like this is so easy so it, it's it is sad when stuff like that or like drama or art or music and things that people like a craft that they have gets taken away and they're stuck doing like general education courses and I think if I didn't have culinary I probably wouldn't have done so well in school not that I did well in high school don't get me wrong I wasn't a straight A student but you know what I mean like I had a passion and I had something that I wanted to do whereas I think if I didn't have that I'd probably be a little lost and like not really know what I wanted to do and kind of just like half-assed school um but yeah no I totally agree um you know it's unfortunate that you see these vote classes being taken mm -hmm. out of public high schools and people yeah. are seeking out more specialized schools um because if you hadn't done that where what have you done where do you right. think you would end up right I don't know I that's a good question and I really have no idea I think I would have been one of those people that went to a college uh, undecided I think that happens to a lot of kids is that they just go undecided for a major because they don't have that like drive or spark because they didn't, they didn't have a specific club or course that they did. Um, I probably would have done that. And then just ended up getting to something business related. I think I probably still would have been in the food industry. I just think it would take me a little bit longer to like hone my craft and get that experience. But I think, I think I still would have done it because I was cooking at home as well. Um, but it just probably would, have, probably would have looked a little bit different. Yeah, for sure. So at home, was your mom a chef or where did their love from for cooking really yeah. come from? So we did like foods and nutrition. I think that was in high school or middle school. And that's when I would take home the recipes. I was like, oh, this is so good. We made this in school. And then I would start cooking week, weekly. I would cook dinner for my family when we all were still living under, under one roof. So it was like, I would cook. And that's where I got like practice essentially. Um, and that's when I really started like 
falling in love with cooking is because I was like, at night, I was like, oh, they cook dinner for everyone. That was like fun to me. So my mom was probably like relieved. She was like, all right, sweet, go ahead. You can cook what, you know what I mean? Cause I'm sure as parents, it's like you cook every single meal for your kids. So it's like, it's nice that they can. And I also think it's a really important skill to have as a child. And like, even now with like my daughter and my mom's really good with her about that. Like even, even baking like silly cookies or something that's like not challenging. It's still fun for them and tactile. And I think it's just a good skill to have as an adult to cook because I have a lot of, not my personal, not like close, close friends, but I have acquaintances and stuff that are like, can, I can barely boil water. I'm like, that's dramatic. But I think it's important as an adult when you're on your own to cook because you're going to waste all your money on fast food and takeout if you don't know how to cook and you could be saving that money or at least eating healthier or something. You know what I mean? No, I totally agree. I, it's funny. I just read a, I saw a picture yesterday where you're like, oh, do I really need these uh, $20 pairs of shoes? But then you're like, Wendy's, you're like, I'll get this, this, this. Yes. And like, that's $23. You're like, here you go. Fine with me. <laughs> I know. So it, I mean, I'm a victim to it. I spend a ton of money on takeout. Um, like you said, as a parent, you just get so busy. So Great. And now I, love I can, don't get me wrong. Like, I love to eat out and I love takeout and stuff, but I, yeah. It's funny because I, I always thought, oh, my mom was such a bad cook. She'd cook us chicken every single night. <laughs> and now I get it because I'm like, you want chicken or pasta? Which right. one? Or right. a mixture, pasta right. and chicken. Pasta That's and like chicken. our special night. Yeah. Well, it's like it's easy and it's things that like, you know, they're going to like. And I think that it's probably like a cycle almost. Like if, you're, if your mom wasn't like in love with cooking or food, it, this, it, tr- it trickles down. So it's like, okay. So it's like, like you said, you had that growing up and then it was like, well, that's what you do too. You know what I mean? So I do think it's important for people like, you know, but then again, it is tricky because sometimes I don't want to cook with my daughter. Sometimes it's like a mess and I'm like, this is too much. So don't get me wrong. There are days that I'm like, no, you're like, she always wants to help, which I think is really cute. Some days I'm like, sure. Some days I'm like, let me go do something else. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes the help turns into a longer mess. It takes you like four extra hours just to make something. Yes. So I get it. I've been there. It's like, any project with their kid, just add on three more hours of yes. day. Getting them out of the house in the morning, <laughs> getting her to do anything, getting dressed as a, uh, she's three. So, and I don't know why the terrible twos, people always said that. I don't know why that's a thing. Cause to me, and I hope just get ready, but at least in my experience, three has been the most, it's been the, the most exciting and fun time as a parent, but also the most challenging because she's developed this like whole personality in church. She's very stuck in her ways with certain things. She doesn't want to get dressed. She'll run around in like her underwear around the house. I'm like, what? like, can we get dressed? She's like, no. I'm like, okay. <laughs> no to everything now. So. Oh yeah. Once they learn the meaning of no, that's oh, their yeah. favorite word. And yeah. they know, they know. Well, she says no, thank you. And I'm like, well, at least you're being polite. But I'm like, you still, just because you say thank you, no thank you doesn't mean you can say no to me about everything. <laughs> oh yeah. We're that no thank you family. So I have a family like he's going to grow up and he's going to be like in an accident or like get pulled up. He's like, no thank you. And no, just walk you. away. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> Look, that's not how I'm good. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're definitely one of those no thank you parents. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure how that will work out as he gets older, but. I mean, no, we did the same thing. It's like we try to t- teach her to be like polite and like say please and thank you. But it's funny now that she's using those like correctly, but it's like not in the way that I want her to. Like, hey, let's, why don't we get dressed and go sit in the potty? No, thank you. I'm like, no, that's not. <laughs> I appreciate you being polite, but that's not how this works. <laughs> that's too funny. Um, so. Yeah, that that's kids for you. You'll have mm-hmm. a story upon a story every minute of the day I know. somehow. 
Um, so did you end up going to Johnson and Wales? So I didn't. So I went, so when I, I toured Johnson and Wales and I like the, at least I went to the one in Rhode Island where I toured it and like the culinary campus was separate from everything else. And I didn't necessarily love that um, because it was like a mile from ev everything else on campus. And then I went to like be toward the dorms. It was like a big tour where a bunch of kids went. And I was like, I'm not living with four other people. It was two sets of bunk beds, a tiny dorm. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I was like, I can't. And so I ended up going to Southern New Hampshire University. Their culinary program was just launching. We were one of the first classes and I had a blast. I mean, I had too much fun in college, but my dorm was like a decent sized dorm room. It was just me and one other person. And so then I was lucky enough that like my following years, I got like my room to myself. And then I had an apartment on campus. So I just didn't like, I loved the buildings at Johnson & Wales. Like there, everything was high tech, new. The kitchens were beautiful, immaculate, but I was like, I, I need to like, I was a homebody at the time and I was very anxious about going to school. So I was like, I need to feel comfortable before I can excel at anything. So I was like, I felt comfortable staying here and I felt like the vibe in campus is beautiful at Southern New Hampshire. So I felt comfortable there. So I ended up going there um, and I loved it. Yeah, I had a really good experience at college. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I went, I toured Johnson & Wales. I felt the exact same way. I remember yeah. I was with my parents and we were on a tour and they're like, here's the room. And I looked, I go, I don't even fit in here myself. Yeah. It was like a closet and they're like yeah. two bunk beds. I'm like, how many people live in here? And they're like four. I was like, Great. this is smaller than my bedroom. Yeah. It and was it. Well, and granted, I, so growing up, like, and don't get me wrong, like I'm okay with sharing things. Like my brother and I shared a room until we were 20 until basically we both ended up moving out. So it's like, I shared around my whole life with my brother. So I don't mind a roommate. It's not the roommate thing. It's more like four people to like, it was a, it, people realized it was literally like a regular size bedroom with four people and everything was like crammed in there. I could, there's no way I could have like studied or it, it would have been bad. <laughs> it would have been bad. No, I agree. And it, I think they had the policy on campus of, um, you get a lottery for cars or something it was it was interesting because I was looking at hotel management um yep. and like you I was kind of weary of everything being so far away yeah. and like yourself I was a homebody I ended up staying like 20 minutes away but yep. um again looking at colleges was not a fun time oh, it was anxiety inducing <laughs> for me at least and you know what I was happy about southern New Hampshire because it was far enough away but it also, it was, I think it's maybe, it was maybe like from Stoneham at the time, it was maybe, it's maybe like a 45 minute drive. So it was like far enough away, but not far enough. It's like, I ended up, I got into trouble my senior year. So I ended up commuting. Um, I, I had to go home on the weekends, <laughs> but I, so it, I ended up commuting senior year, but it wasn't that bad because it's not that far. It's a one way straight up 93. So for me, it was like no big deal. Um, so, so what happened? <laughs> I was just wild. <laughs> I got into a lot of trouble I, at, on campus. So they had like tiers of, I don't know, like, I don't know what school you ended up going to. I went to Regis. Okay. Did they have like, I, I don't know if you probably didn't get in trouble, but they had like tiers. Oh, I got in trouble. I got okay. kicked off campus as well. Oh, it must oh, be a Stoneham thing. Yeah, it must be. We're all a bunch of punks, I swear. <laughs> so there's like tiers of like tier one, tier two. That's what they called them. And it was like, the like, okay, you got in trouble for doing this. And it was like, okay, you're doing this. And it was like, they added up. And then I got like, basically I got too many. And then they were like, you can't be on campus anymore. And then I like call my mom and then I call my doctor. And like, I tried to, like, I basically like appealed it. And like, 
I only it only worked out that I could stay in the weekdays because my one of my other roommates it was like an apartment. She also got kicked off campus, but she got to stay during the weekdays, and so I basically used it as leverage. And I was like, well, she's staying, and what she did was worse. So how is how is that fair? So they were like, shit. I guess you're right. So I could stay during the, the week, but I had to leave on the weekends. That's and did they know so. What was your mom's response? Did she kill she you? Pissed, but. She was pissed, but she was like mama bear. So she was like, I'm going to fight for you to stay on campus, mostly probably because she didn't want me to come home. <laughs> so she was like, no, we're going to, we're, we're going to, we'll make it work. Don't worry. So uh, yeah, I had to go home on the weekends, but you know what? Ended up, I went home a lot of weekends anyways. So it ended up working out. That's too funny. Yeah. Regis was more for me a misunderstanding. Long story short, my idiot ex-boyfriend made a, made a club. I remember when Facebook first started. Yep. And you can make all these groups or like mm -hmm. cool clubs on it. So yep. he made one. It said Regis, like the obesity capital of whatever town it's in, yeah. Weston. Yep. And everyone thought it was me who made it. Oh, Jesus. I was like, no, I didn't even know these existed. So yep. I was always at home because I worked at the Stoneham Zoo on the weekends. Yep. And I came back and the RAs are like lined up at my door. Oh, and they're like, did you create this? I go, what, what is it? And yeah. they showed me and all, all these friends were like mad at me. Cause they're like, of course you don't accept fat people. I go, what's not, that's not what you were said. That's you weren't even a part of it. Yeah. That's so like, in the end, they didn't kick me off in the end. He wasn't allowed on campus, but I yeah. felt like such an idiot. Right. I was like, everyone's judging me. I actually worked in the cafe. Mm -hmm. So I, I felt really weird because like I'd oh, be yeah. serving like fatty foods, fried foods. Right. And I'm like, oh, is this and yours? And people are like it. looking at, yeah, they're like looking at me. I'm like, is this yours? I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm just asking. Like, I'm not yeah, calling yeah. you fat. I'm not like, judging you. Yeah, I yeah. eat these as well. I'm yeah. just wondering. Yeah. So finally, um, it came to a point where I just felt really bad about myself. And I was like, right. I left and went home for a month, I think. Yeah. Came back on campus, got a single. And then that was it. But I, yeah, it's college is just a strange time. For it's everybody. really weird. Yeah, I think, and honestly, this sounds terrible. I think the only reason why I enjoyed it is because I did party so much with a kind of few close friends. And I think that if I didn't have those close friends, that I probably would have been commuted as well because I was so anxious about going to school. And because I did have a, I didn't have a hard time in high school. I just felt like people were mean in high school. So I was like, this is going to translate into college and I'm going to be miserable. And like, I already had that preconceived notion of like, I was on edge. <laughs> so, but it ended up being fine. But I, I mean, I basically just partied and then that's how I felt comfortable, but that just isn't the way you do things obviously now. No, of course. Like, now we look back, we're like, damn, I'm, I'm like, so I wish stupid. I just, did, or I wish I just not partied as much. And yeah, right. but here we are. <laughs> Here we are. We learn from our mistakes. We'll we kill our kids if they do the wrong thing like we did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. You talk about your high school experience. I was watching one of your Hell's Kitchen introductions and you mentioned that your weight was um, a lot of people, unfortunately, made fun of your weight, which I understand. Yeah. How does that play into you now as a chef? Um, I would say it was, I would say it's, it was more, it was like, it was more about my sexuality than it was my weight, but the weight also played a part into it because I did love, that's how I, I loved food as a comfort for me. So it was more like emotional eating and I would eat because I, it made me feel good. And it's still to this day, I still have, I still carry that with me. And I think a lot of people feel like that when you eat something that you like, you feel good. 
it's just, it's just the way it is. And so it was more about like my sexuality in high school. And then it was like, in the beginning of high school was also overweight. And then I, then I like grew and I got tall and I like, and I lost some weight. And then it was like, it was interesting how people, more people would talk to me when I was thinner, but I was gay, but I wasn't out. So that was like a big thing where people were still so mean to me. Like I remember I had to go to the principal's office and I had to change this one particular person was in almost every single one of my classes, like my periods. And I was like, I can't do, he was like whispering to people to talk to me to make fun of me. And so I ended up going to the principal's office and I basically was like, I can't be in this kid's class, these kids class. I changed my whole schedule. It was a whole thing. And it was like, that just ma makes me now, like I look back and I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't, I forgive people that everyone's very different in high school and people do stupid things when they're younger. Um, but I still have that, like I still hold that with me, which is just weird how that like stays with you for the rest of your life, or at least until my thirties. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely, it doesn't change the way I'm a chef now because in restaurants, restaurants use so much salt and butter and cream and people don't realize that when you go out to eat, why they love going out to eat is because it's unhealthy. There is healthy restaurants and some of the food we do is healthy. But if you go to like a French restaurant or like a fancier restaurant, the chances are it's very butter and comforting and yeah. So I don't cook like that as much anymore, but I'm still, you have to make food taste good. <laughs> yeah, I think that's funny because you'll make something at home and you're like, it doesn't taste as good. And then you'll see and you're like, oh, yeah. two sticks of butter. That makes sense. Yes. Or like they use sugar in their sauce where the, you don't yeah. use sugar in your glaze. And it's right. like, okay, now I know why Chinese yeah. food is so good. Yes. And like MSG is a big part of like Asian cooking. And it's also a part of like, everyday products in my, like I watch a lot of YouTube food channels and um, MSGs and everything. It's in like Hidden Valley Ranch dressing. They just call it monosodium diglutamate, something like that. So it's like, if you look for that word, it's in everything. It's, it's literally in everything. That's why it makes, it has that like addictive personality or addictive taste. So that's why people love it so much, but yeah. It's funny, my mom goes, when we go out to dinner, she's like, she tells the waiter, like our waitress, no MSG. I'm like, mom, do you really think like, they're gonna do that for you I mean I hate to be like rude about it my mom's yeah. like the one person you don't want to get because she's like oh can I get broccoli without the salt and without yeah. they're like okay well why didn't you just eat at home but right. she's like she's like no MSG I go okay ma. so she orders it yeah Not like I'm that. like <laughs> I was like do you actually know what that is like that makes the flavor of the food that's right. why we came out to dinner right now yeah. if you don't want MSG go eat a carrot at home right and MSG is, is, isn't in everything, but it, it, a lot of, it isn't a lot of cooking and, and a lot of products, but if you make something from scratch, like in the restaurants I worked in, we didn't, we didn't like have MSG like on the counter. It wasn't like that. Um, but I worked in, there weren't fine dining restaurants, but they definitely were leaning towards that. So that really wasn't a thing, but I, I know now as an adult that like a lot of food that we ate as children or a lot of fast food or a lot of Asian cuisine, but that's just a staple for them. And it's not a bad ingredient. It's not, it doesn't, it's not looked at because we're an overweight country. It's just, it's not looked at in other countries. It's like, oh my God, I can't have MSG. It's just not like that, you know, but. That's funny. It's like yeah. when other countries look at us and they're like, oh, wow. What was it? I think it was France or England. One of the two places got rid mm -hmm. of ketchup because their mm -hmm. kids were getting obese. Mm, we're here. We're just like, our kids are eating ketchup for well, main meal. A vegetable now. I know. It's so funny. <laughs> So it's just, it's just interesting. I'm sure you as a chef is there, like when you see how food's made in restaurants, mm -hmm. 
do you think about now how much you eat out and eating in is there like um I don't know just in the back of your head you know like when you do something yeah where you work at places mm -hmm. but you won't like use um you know what it, it's more like when you go out to eat it's more like an indulgent it's like a treat so when I go out to eat I'm like I go for it <laughs> like I eat like I eat the whole meal Whereas like at home, I'm not necessarily making like all these butter sauces or like heavy creams or purees or it's also just takes a lot of time to do. Like when I wasn't like we did the prep all day for stuff and I just don't have the time to do that. But I know what you mean. But I mean, the restaurants I worked at, I still ate at and it was more like cause it's also expensive to eat all the time. So it was more like, all right, I'm not going to go spend, you know, a hundred dollars on this like really extra fancy luxurious dinner. I'm just going to like, you know, eat at home or make something myself. But I still, I, like I said, I'm pretty like humble about food. I just kind of, I'll eat whatever. And I don't want people to feel like, oh my God, they can't like give me a certain food because they're going to be embarrassed. I'm like, I don't care. Just feed Have me. Have you walked <laughs> into a restaurant where someone's like recognized you? I would. So when it was airing and then re-airing again, so the all-star season, so season 14 and then season 17, and they re-aired season 17 because it was a gap in between the current season that's about to air and then um, my season because of COVID. So yeah, it, it did happen a lot when it was hat, when it was actually on. And actually the one place that happened the most, ironically enough, was um, Disney World. I went down there because my brother-in-law brother was running the marathon, the Disney marathon. And my sister was taking her daughter. And I was like, you know what? We're, my brother was flying out. My parents are, I was like, let's just go. And my daughter was six months old. So it wasn't really for her. It was more just to go to like be all together. Um, and it happened, I realized people from all over the world and all over the country go to Disney World. So it's like all these people around the world and, and they're like, oh my God, I recognize you from TV. So it was kind of funny. Um, so I would say there was like the biggest, like people actually did like come up to me and ask, like to ask for a picture or like say, hey, we recognize you, Nick from Hell's Kitchen, which was funny. Um, it happens once in a while still, um, but not as much as it used to now. <laughs> it's funny you're like there with like a pretzel making you oh, stuff yeah. in your oh, mouth yeah. and people are like can I take you like well yeah I'm like a little busy here yeah yeah but I, that's the one thing I will say is that I always I still even on like Instagram and people message me being like hey I love doing the show I I always like or at least respond to their comment because I I'm not like famous let's be honest I literally live in Danvers like I'm just a normal person and I have a full-time job so it's like people are taking the time to message me I'll obviously respond to them and talk to them and um I try to respond to everyone who messages me. I think that's um, something, you know, something to recognize, not to say you're not famous or successful, but mm -hmm. sometimes people who look into professions like yours, it takes a very long time to yeah. be actually successful, like a yeah. Chef Gordon Ramsay. Mm -hmm. People might just think there's an overnight success, whereas you're right. still working, you're working two jobs, right. you're still so trying to make a career. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many things that I want to do and I want to do more TV and then like it's just a process like applying to a reality TV show and getting on and doing interviews and then it's like, oh yeah, I also have my catering company that I co-own and I have a child and, I, and I'm married and it's just like day-to-day -day life. It's, it's hard to carve out time to, if you really want something, you have to work for it. So I still want to do so much more. I just was lucky that when I went to interview for Hell's Kitchen, it was like an open casting call and I'm still this day, I tell people they called, they went to my Instagram DMs and because I had the time I was a private chef and I was doing like a blog and they were like, Hey, we're looking for Boston based chefs. Would you be interested in coming out um, to an open casting call? And it wasn't, they weren't necessarily looking for me. They just were looking for chefs in general, but I think, thank God for that one person who like reached out to me from that casting agency, because I would have never done that. I would have never been like, 
oh, I'm going to go look up Hell's Kitchen and see if, I, if there's an open casting call. That's not something I would have done. I wasn't really into that independent yet. Um, it was only until after the show that I found some more independence as like an adult. Um, so when I went to the open casting call and then it was like three or four different interviews and auditions or whatever, it was like, when I got on the show, I was like, wow. I was like, okay, cool. And I'm like, that was it. <laughs> the rest is history kind of. Um, so I'm thankful that that happened because I don't think I would have pursued that. But if people do want to do something like Hell's Kitchen or I'm like, you got to just go for it because I necessarily wasn't seeking that out, but I'm so glad that I, that I did end up happening because I wouldn't have the career or have things that are, that I have going on now. Um, but yeah, I would say go for it. <laughs> Apply it's it. It's funny. You I was going to, yeah, I was going to ask you what the process is and how yeah. you ended up. And it was just out of the blue. Yeah, like. it was pretty much out of the blue. I didn't really watch Hell's Kitchen. I obviously knew who Chef Ramsay was. And I did know that he was like a hard ass and I, I've seen clips of him screaming at people, you know. In Kitchen Nightmares, he's another show that he did and I've seen clips and bits and pieces but I wasn't like a diehard fan of Hell's Kitchen. So when they called me, I was like, yeah, I know what Hell's Kitchen is. And there, it was a lengthy process just to get on the show the first time. I had to get like, they like, I did blood work. They like did drug testing. I had to meet with a therapist, a private investigator. Like they literally checked every single ounce of my life and called every single person I've ever met literally because it was like, they wanted to make sure you like didn't have all this baggage behind you. Um, and so when I got out, I was like, this is wild. Like it was just this process to get there was crazy. It was like three or four different, I had to do like on camera work. They sent it to producers. Then I had to meet with producers in person. They flew me to LA and then flew me home. And it was like this whole long. And I was, of course, I hadn't been on a plane in like, 15, 20, like 15 years. And I, let alone, I've never flown alone, never been anywhere alone. So it was very much like scary for me to go and do that. But I'm so glad that I took the leap and I did it because I would have regretted it if I had it. So. Interesting. That That's very cool experience. I think, yeah. you know, people know you by that, of course, where you right. go around. How does your husband feel about all of that when that was all happening? Yeah. So we, we weren't even engaged or we just been dating for, I want to say, a year, maybe not even a year when I got the call to, that I was going to be on it, it. I remember it was like, I feel like it was the fall. And then I like went and filmed in January around there. So it took like a few months before I actually physically went out. Um, but they were like, yeah, in two months time, you're going to be here. We're casting you right now. They called me and I was like, okay. Um, he was, I think he was sad when I left, but I also think he was excited for me because he was like, this is a big opportunity. And then when they called again, they were like, hey, would you be interested in doing uh, an all-star season? We're just throwing the idea around. And I was like, sure. I'm like, I, I never thought it would happen again. So I was like, I can't say no again. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I thought that Health Kitchen was a once in a lifetime opportunity, which it was, but just so happened for me that it was a, tw a twice in a lifetime opportunity. So I was really lucky that I got to go back on and I did better and I had more fun and I um, kind of knew what to expect. So I definitely enjoyed it more the second time around. Yeah. I mean, you're a veteran, so yeah. kind of had an idea of the whole process, right. probably not as nervous. I think the main question is how is Gordon, we won't go into it because I'm sure there's many videos or articles of you oh, out there about Hell's Kitchen. Um, just how is Gordon Ramsay? Is he really like that in person? Um, he's definitely like stoic and like intimidating because he is a little bit tall. So I'm just about six feet. So he's a little bit taller than me. He's very jacked. He's like, he's like very in shape, which I wasn't expecting. I don't know if that like happened later on in life, but he like would tell, he told us that he like ran, ran like 
he did like triathlons and he did all these like really active things and he's super in shape. And so he was definitely intimidating as a person, but then on the all-star season, it was just like, he was a lot more chill. Um, you could tell he actually cared about like what we were doing and seemed interested in our food. Whereas on season 14, I felt like not that he didn't care. just, he had, he has so much going on, like with so many shows and his own life and his own children. That's why I don't know how he does all of this. It's like he's Superman or something, but um, it's interesting to see, but he wasn't to me, wasn't as it's a persona on TV and he is still that person and he is intimidating, but I don't think he's, I think he's really cool. And I think he, he was funny and he was nice. Um, so I would say 50, 50, he's definitely intimidating and he did yell at people, but then again, it's like, you know, if you do something stupid, you expect to get yelled at kind of, that's, that's my advice. If you're going to go on TV, if you do something dumb and you're like, you know, you're going on Hell's Kitchen, then don't. Just right. Don't. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because these people, like these reality shows, you watch mm -hmm. them and people follow them to a T and it's like, yeah, you know, is that really them? That's always my right. skeptical pieces. Yeah. Is that really who they are? Is that really their life? And, yeah. you know, it's interesting because you'll meet them in real life. And it's like, well. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing that people ask me, they're like, oh, you seem like I'm the same person I am now as I am. Well, not, you know what I mean? Like I, I they didn't, it's not scripted. So people always are surprised that I say like, I'm like, I, first I'm not remembering lines, let's be honest. So it's not like a scripted thing. It was like, we just, I just lived my life on TV with the other contestants and we were very much like everything that we did was real and the fights people were just crazy they did a good job at casting really it's just like a bunch of really big personalities all in one place living together and then also working together like people don't understand that like the restaurant which we were in is also a studio but then upstairs still inside the studio is our dorm so it's literally okay go back to your dorm so we leave getting screamed at he's like get the f out so we'll walk back to our dorms and then we're all together and then we all start fighting about it because we're all like how did you mess up and so that's like the premise of the show is very real um the only thing i tell people is editing obviously they can edit however they want because we do sign we, we sign away our life that says like yes you they say it they tell us they say we can use your likeness and your voice and any clips however we want. And we're like, okay, like, but other than that, it's, everything was real, so. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of shows out there, I'm sure are scripted, AKA reality. Yeah. Yes, a lot of like, like Real Housewives franchises, I think pretty sure that they definitely like have them, they set up a lot of stuff. And yeah, of course it wasn't like, the one question I get a lot, do you remember Phaedra or Amara Sampas? Yes. So Phaedra was on season 14 very briefly. So she was, and I didn't know she was going to be there. And her and I dated in high school. We, were, we grew up together. So we were really, really close friends. And so she was like a high school girlfriend of mine. And I knew that she had gone out to California to be to become an actress. That's what she wanted to do. And that's the last I really heard from her. Like we didn't really keep too much in touch after um, college. And then she was on an episode so she was our waitress on the episode that the the, boy, the blue it's like this archaic red and blue team thing like boys versus girls so the blue team the boys had won that challenge and our reward was to go on this like beautiful dinner like on this like mountaintop and she was our waitress and i was like i'm so confused like i don't know if it was set up or what and it wasn't like what are the chances that she would have been hired as a waitress 
on the TV show, what are the chances that I would have been there, that the blue team would have won, that I would have gotten on Hell's Kitchen? It was very weird. I tell people if I was if I was straight, that would have been like a sign of fate. But alas, I'm not. But <laughs> um, it was really crazy. And people still think it's fake. I'm like, no, I had zero clue that she would have been there. That's too funny. That's it's, such a strange experience. Yeah. It was very surreal to see her because I was like, looked at the, because the camera crew was there and stuff because we, we weren't inside Hell's Kitchen. So there was actual physical cameras and a story producer who was like, all right, you guys are going to eat dinner. Then we're going to go do this or whatever. And so I was confused because I was like, is this a setup? Like, I didn't know if that was like a part, you know what I mean? Cause I, I was 24 is my first reality show. My first time being on anything, doing anything like this. So I was so confused and I was like, Phaedra. And I was like, can I talk to her? And they're like, do you know her? I'm like, yeah, I grew, literally grew up with this person. Like we went, used to go camping together when we were little. So it was really, really crazy to me that seeing, so it was actually kind of nice to see a familiar face when I, cause I was in such a high anxiety environment that it was like almost I gave her a hug and I was like even though we weren't like best friends it was I still gave her a hug and was like oh my god it's so good to see you have no idea like this is so weird and she couldn't believe it either she kept laughing the whole time like when she was serving us and I told the other contestants and I was like oh that's I literally know her and they were like ha 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 I'm like no you guys like seriously I know her <laughs> that's <laughs> such a small world it's crazy because yeah. so Stoneham's such a small town and all of a sudden you're in this random place yep across the state and it's like literally holy crap yep yeah holy crap i know that one person right and she, there and she lives like i mean you i think you kind of lived in my like our general right that city. side of town yeah yeah, yeah. Lived, over the hill yes she lived just before that like kind of like by andrea's like area. yes yeah she lived on um in the back of the school yes because yes. i knew her sister Yes, Amara's and she's she graduated with me. Yes. Amara. So and it is interesting just to see like it was so it was crazy. So but. she had no idea you guys. You were no. on Hell's Kitchen. No. She she just saw you coming up and had yeah. a film crew. It was like, what is this yeah. guy so she doing? Was oh, she also was waiting tables, but I think she was hired to be the waitress, even though she was a waitress, does that make sense? So she laid they just told her, like, you're we're gonna hire you, you're gonna be on TV for the show. And then she's probably like, This is awesome. And then she saw me and she was like giggling, and I was like, I'm so confused. I'm, I didn't know. And she did, was really, you could tell she was confused too. Um, but it was really cool. It was really, it was a really cool moment that definitely helped me like get through the next couple of like episodes of like, cause it was just crazy the first time I was on it. Um, yeah, it was really stressful. So there you have it guys. Don't ever burn your bridges. Cause you never yeah. know what will happen in your you lifetime know. or know. who you will see, or if she goes on TV, what she'll say about you. I know. Um, it, it was, it, it was so crazy. <laughs> So that's a great story. Any other memorable stories, maybe like something you regret and something you are happy about the outcome, just one and the other? Um, I would say, I guess I can't say that I regret anything only because it, I wouldn't have been on All Stars again. I wouldn't have been where I am today. But if I had to like do it over, I think I probably would have done things a little differently on the first time I was on it. But I don't regret the way I was because like I said, the good thing about at least Hell's Kitchen and my experience is everything was real. So it was like, they didn't make me say anything. They didn't literally make me, I mean, yes, they they were like, go here and go there move, go, you guys go do this. Um, we're going to have dinner now and that kind of thing. But nothing was like, it was all our personalities and stuff. So I really can't say that I regret anything because that's who I was at the time. Um, I loved the rewards, obviously. When we won, we would get to do things that I never would have done. I honestly don't think I would have done in my lifetime. So it's like, 
you know, like Wolfgang Puck came out and like served us food. And like, I flew in a helicopter and I got to do all these crazy things that I never would have done in my lifetime that I'm so lucky that I got to do. And I think that's what people take for granted being on the show is they're like, oh, I was on Hell's Kitchen. I'm like, yeah, but you also got to do a lot of really cool stuff that you probably wouldn't have had a chance to do without the show. So I always will give credit to like Hell's Kitchen and stuff because I wouldn't have had those experiences. And, um, and it was, I, and this, I would say the all-star season, I had a blast. Like I genuinely had fun on the show. I think Gordon was a little different. I think, you know, 17 seasons of the same like shtick, it's kind of old. So I think he's probably like, okay, like, <laughs> I think he cared a little bit more about us. Uh, I, at least I think he could be acting, who knows. Um, well, but I just for my... the all-stars, it was all past yeah. chefs anyways. So maybe, yeah, it? So maybe, maybe yeah, it was kind of had people. an idea of what to expect and how you guys yeah. mixed in together at this time. Yeah, I think they knew what they were doing too. They like, they all, they casted people that like had past rivalries and they know what they're doing in casting. So there's just, the scripted piece that yes. maybe you so, And they also consider. said that, they were like, I wonder who's going to come in the door next. Like when we first got there and it was like this kid named Josh who like I had a brief fight with and it was like, they made a point to like reference that. So I was like, they, when, when casting, they're definitely smart about like, who they cast. They like zoomed in on your reaction to see when he walks oh, yeah. in the door. Oh yeah, 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 100%, 100%, they did. There's a, there was other contestants that had this similar like, so Jennifer, she, um, I actually worked with her and I worked for her. She's from Massachusetts as well. She was on All Stars and her and this contestant named Elise, they had a fighter on their season. So it was like very much like rivalries. They like brought back kind of thing, um, which was interesting and funny to see that all play out, but. They know what they're doing. <laughs> of course they do. Yes, I mean, they wouldn't smart. get the ratings if they had just right. boring people in there cooking and that's doing why, the right thing. Yeah. That's why I think they started, excuse me, I think that's why they started like switching it up with like ideas because the same format, the same stuff gets boring. And so that's why a lot of these shows do like veterans versus rookies or all-stars or excuse me, rivalries or things like that. Cause it just keeps it interesting for the viewer. Um, so yeah. Has your daughter seen the show? No, like a couple of times, like when Chop Sweets came out, I, I was like, I'm going to be on TV tonight. But it was like past her bedtime anyways. Like she was just turned three and I, she was like, cool. Like you're going to be on TV. Like she said it, but like, she doesn't know. No, I haven't like really showed her, but it's been on a couple of times that she, I don't think she grasped that like. That Do I you recognize you on this, the screen itself? I have, I've shown her like videos on my phone, but she doesn't. She doesn't really care. <laughs> She's like, whatever, dad, make yeah, mac and cheese and she, we're going to the playground right now. Literally, she wants, and then she also likes to see videos of herself, which is really funny. She likes to look at pictures and videos when she was a baby. She always asked me that. Will you show me a video when I was a baby? I'm like, sure. So we just like play, she's like, you're very narcissistic. You're just staring at yourself, watching a video. She's giggling at herself. Oh, she's so funny. That's too funny. So she's like, yeah, whatever, dad, you're famous. All her. It's okay. Yeah. I'm cute. It's, it's all right. I'm going to be famous anyways. Oh, she will. I'm so sure. don't even worry about it. <laughs> yeah. You're not the famous one in the family. No. Right. It's all about Savannah now. So I, I knew that once we got her, I was like, oh, so yeah, it's all about her. <laughs> it's too fun. It's always is. And it always will yeah. be. Even yes. if they move out in your, in your dying bed, you'll still make sure to make sure they're happy. Yeah. That's just life. Um, yeah. So do you want to tell us a little about your catering business you have right now? Yeah. So it's Kitchen to Isle Catering and Events. Um, that's the name of the company. And we started it, myself and my business partner, Megan, back in 2017. And it was right when 
Hell's Kitchen All-Stars started airing. So it was kind of smart, like it was kind of like dumb luck almost where it was like, it wasn't intentional, but it just happened that the timing, we were like, well, let's make it intentional. You know what I mean? Like we were starting a catering company. I was like, well, my show's about to air. I was like, we really- It's kind of like free marketing coinciding. Yeah, 100%. And so we did get a couple, our first couple of small, like small events from the show, essentially. Someone was like, oh, I saw like you were in Hell's Kitchen and like you have a catering company. And so that's how we initially first did our first couple of events. And then it kind of just like went from there, like word of mouth. And then this person knew and then social media. And then um, we ended up being six, we're being, we are successful. Of course, with COVID things happen and we've had a, all of our events had to be postponed this summer, but um, which sucks, but only one out of like the 10 event, 10 weddings we had this summer were actually physically canceled, canceled. But um, so yeah, so we do like, we do weddings, we do, cocktail parties in people's houses where it's just like past appetizers um we do plated dinners for like six people or we do weddings for 200 so we literally have like a very wide range of like different types of events we do I don't like to just do one thing because I get bored so easily I don't like pigeon my pigeonhole myself into like just as a wedding caterer um because those are the most work they're the most profitable but they're the most work and like stressful and you know um but fun it's fun it's definitely fun and it's nice I think this career path having a catering company right now allows me to have more free time with my daughter because I'm not working on the line in a restaurant like from 8 a.m. till like 1 a.m. Like I had the crazy hours before and this way I can pick and choose what events I want to do and book and well we're at that point now in the beginning we basically took any event that came our way because you have to get like a base um but yeah so I, I love it I love catering I think it's nice the, some of the smaller events are more fun because you can customize the menu with the client. You can talk to them like what you guys are going to do. And then my business partner handles all like, she does like all the decor of like the table and like sets up the meetings. It does all like the admin work, which I like, I, I couldn't do it by myself because I wouldn't have the time to answer all the emails and stuff. So um, yeah, so that's, we are based out of Amesbury because that's where our rental kitchen is. But we go, we've gone pretty much all over most of New England. A lot of it's like Maine and New Hampshire and Massachusetts. Um, but yeah, we travel, we'll, yeah, we've done a lot of really crazy random types of events, so. What's the craziest or most randomest event you you remember to this day? The most the most challenging and crazy one was there's, um, so I used to live in Newburyport, and so we've got a client through, I was, again, I, I've always had another job other than just catering or being a chef because I wanted, just in case, especially when things were slow for catering, I needed income, I would um, wait tables and bartend, and one of my customers that I worked that I was a, a waiter for the bartender at the, at the time and they ended up were like oh you have a catering company great we really want to do this 30 the surprise birthday party for our son I was like okay awesome like we'll get in touch with you it was on this boat called the Queen's Queen Mary no Queen I don't know some kind of boat out of Plum Island in Newburyport and it's basically a fishing boat but it was like a little bit nicer but it still was a fishing boat and there was one outlet and then I was on the boat it like basically went out picked up the sun as a surprise and came back. And like, I had a staff member, two staff members on the dock with a grill. We had a rent on the dock. The fuse kept blowing on the boat. So I had one fry later and the person was like, oh yeah, there's a couple of burners you can use. No, there was nothing. So I had a mini, like a household tiny fry later and one saute pan for all these appetizers. It was wild. I'm like, never again. <laughs> Wait, what were you cooking then? It was all past appetizers, thank God. But then on the on the dock, it was like filet mignon and we had like beef tenderloin. So I had like my, the girl that, I guess she's like my sous chef now. She basically 
I almost have her work every single event if she can, because I just, we've worked together in the past at restaurants. So I just know how she works. And so she was, I left her there to do like to heat up, reheat stuff on the grill. And then I'm on the boat trying to give appetizers out to people. And it was just, I, they thought everything was fine, but it was just a nightmare. Little did they know you're in the back, like crapping your pants. Oh, yeah, with, 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 a, with a fry layer on a boat, it's rocking. I'm like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> so what did, did you do any more boat boating events no, after that? No. You're like, that's where I cut the line right now. But we did. And they, and they actually said, they're like, oh, we'd love for you guys to be like a preferred caterer for like the boat because people rent it out all the time. And I'm like, oh yeah, we'll get in touch. No. We haven't done anything yet, but they've like, they've said something like, oh, you guys still, I'm like, we're like, yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about get, get it. Ba- we'll get back to you in a few yeah. months, COVID. Yeah. And now we, and this is like, I would say this is probably like a year and a half ago now. So we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff anymore because upfront, I would have just said, we can't do that. <laughs> or like, here's another hater that could do that, but we can't do that. Um, it was definitely an experience. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Was there um, an event where it was like just something most successful you're very proud of and you yeah. love talking about um I don't I usually I don't try to like I don't want to like I don't typically like brag or like tell I don't know I just feel weird doing that but they're what like the one event that like I was like wow that went really went better than I expected was one of our it was our largest plated wedding because plating 200 plates for like a big wedding and like getting the food hot to the table is like a lot more challenging than people think it's like an assembly line and you have to have like an expediter to tell the servers to go to this table and this person gets this food and it's a lot of working parts and so our first wedding was like 220 people that was our first big, it was our biggest plated wedding and we did dinner service under like a, an hour and a half and which is like which is pretty fast for getting every single table fed um so that was good that was really fun and I was like okay we can do this like after that I was like all right we can do because in the beginning I was like maybe a hundred people is like we shouldn't be doing more than that. Like right now we were so new. We didn't have enough staff yet. And I was like, let's not shoot ourselves in the foot. Let's be realistic on what we can do as a company. And now it's kind of like, we can do whatever because you have people asking, oh, hey, can we work for you? Or, oh, hey, like I have friends being like, do you ever need help? And so people like want to work and want to experience what we're doing. And so it's nice to have those like staff available that even if they are your friends or something, um, so you can do bigger events. So yeah, I would say that the, the biggest wedding we did was like, one off without a hitch, very minimal things went wrong. And I was very, my parents actually worked for me that event because we needed all the staff, like all hands on deck because it, so, it was a lot of food. Um, it was Caitlin, Caitlin Welsh came, my parents worked for me. It was funny. It was fun. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think people when they plan those weddings and they look at the prices, they don't take into account that the background work that actually oh takes in the planning and the prep yeah. and the cleaning and the anxiety and yeah. all of that. That's what the price is for. You're not just paying for just for chicken to come out on a plate. Right. There's right. a lot more involved. Yeah. And that's the one thing about catering that I'm like, Oh, I can't wait. I don't want to ever get too, too like successful. And I'm like, I don't want to do this, but like, I can't wait to the point which hasn't happened yet, but that I can be like, you guys clean up. Like my staff will clean. Cause like, I'm there, like, the, for instance, the boat one, like, I, they didn't have a, uh, um, a sink we could wash dishes in or anything, so we had to use, like, a hose outside. It was, like, midnight, and I'm on the dock with the hose washing pans, so it's, like, and I'm, I'm not above that, obviously, because at every event, I, I still wash, I still help, we still load the U-Haul up, I'm still doing that, but someday, it'd be nice to be, like, okay, I have staff to load my car for me, or so I can expedite and, like, really focus on the flow of events right as of right now I'm still 
washing dishes and <laughs> still doing the dirty work you have and you have to right everyone yeah. starts from the beginning and right eventually they know what it takes to just move up and become yeah. successful i think if you don't do the dirty work right you don't have the appreciation for the people who do yeah. it and Whether your company staff, itself staff. yeah i think I'd like to think that staff members who work for me see me doing dishes and cleaning and, and help and doing the same work that they're doing makes them want to work for me again or have the appreciation like, okay, like I'm not just going to come in and be like, you do this and you do that. I'm just going to sit back and watch. Like I would get too anxious anyways, but I feel like you have to just, if, if you're going to make someone do something, you have to do it too. Put right. And it's for you. It's not just putting on a show for them to say, Hey, right. look, I'm doing dishes. I'm, I do this. Right. It's I'm more like for you. You're yourself. Yeah. I'm like, I have to do these dishes yeah. because this is part of my company. This right. is how it's, we it's succeed. My name. Yeah. It's like my, my, myself and my business partner's name on the line. And like, you want to make sure that everything goes off without a hitch. And, and also we all want to, at the end of the day, when an event's over, it's like, all right, well, let's get the hell out of here. Let's do the dishes. Let's hustle. Let's go home. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, you got to do the dirty work. <laughs> Everyone has to, believe yeah. it or not, whether they see it or not in our Instagram posts right. or... Right, oh yeah, all my Instagram posts are like, nice food and like me so happy, <laughs> like my daughter screaming or like two seconds after a cute picture we take or it's like a pile of like dishes or like a mess, but like, you know, Instagram, you just see like the... Yeah, the good things, like, hey, yeah. check out my place setting. It only took us five days, three weeks of planning. Yes, planning. 10 arguments. Yep, exactly. And we made it, Harry, how beautiful it is. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So I wish you the best of luck with your catering business. Um, in addition to catering, what is the future plans? So I guess my like, my big goal I have right now is... It's, it's a lot, it's when I, so I was looking back on my Google, my Google Docs on my, my laptop and I have a cookbook like mapped out. I was like, oh, that's really cute, Nick. Like, that's funny. But like, I actually went back to it recently. I was like, this still, I think would be well, do well today. And I was like, you know what? If I had all these ideas back then and I kind of gave up on that because I was like, I'm not going to make a cookbook anytime soon. I was like, you know what? With all the social media presence that's going on and everything's so focused around social media. I was like, I really need to give, cause I've always wanted to do a YouTube channel, but I was like, I don't know how to start doing it. I don't know how to film and edit and all this stuff. It's not my forte. And so my husband's really good at that kind of stuff. So he's going to help me edit all my videos. And so my newest thing that I'm going to really go for is I'm going to start filming YouTube, um, developing and testing recipes. And then the, the, the idea or hope is that after the series of like my channel, I have all these recipes tested and developed. It would be then turn into a cookbook, whether it be a digital or a hard copy. That way people can reference like my cook, reference my videos on YouTube and then see the cookbook and kind of see it come to fruition and come to life. And um, I think it'd be a really interesting and different approach to like launching a cookbook or releasing something. I don't just want to tomorrow be like, look at this cookbook I made. I really want to take the time and develop recipes and like see engage what people want and what better way than social media to have that like interaction with a fan, a family member, a friend, or cause I get questions all the time about really, to me it's basic things, but it really comes down to like staples in the kitchen. I think people have trouble with. So it's going to be a lot of like staples, um, basic things that like I have in my arsenal that I'm like, okay, you can, I can just bang on a risotto and like, there's so many different variations of risotto you can make, but some people are like, what? Like, how do I even start making a risotto? So it's like, it's not hard. So I think that's kind of where my, like my idea is going to go is more like teaching the home cook that they can like, the idea is that they can command their own kitchen and become their own chef and like have that authoritative like nature as like a chef in their own kitchen. Don't be afraid of like certain dishes because you see Gordon Ramsay cooking them. 
you know, I'll make it relatable and approachable. And I might have my daughter on a couple times and like some cute cooking videos. And yeah, so I think it's kind of like the format that I'm thinking about. So I'm really excited about that. Kind of like ignited another spark in me that I was kind of missing for a while. I was like, all right, I did Hell's Kitchen. My catering company is going well. I was like, what else? You know, I kind of wanted something else. Um, so I'm excited. That's cool. And I think it's a great idea because like you said, a lot of people get intimidated mm-hmm. in the kitchen. I know myself, if I watch a cooking video, I'm like, I don't have that freaking tool. Right. Well, where right. the hell did that come from? Right. They said, chop up the garlic and all of a sudden they pull out this William Sonoma $5,000 tool. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I give up on this. So, right. so I want to um, make it as relatable as possible without, I don't want to have to like, I don't want to be like dumbing down anything for anybody because I feel like I started from not having any experience either and now look where I am so I think I think anybody and I think it's an, like I said before it's an important tool to have basic recipes in your arsenal as like an adult if I, like and I think that me doing this YouTube could help a lot of people with basic things and also impress other people that they're cooking for like a risotto or like a crab cake or this or like a soup a, a bisque or a soup that someone's like how'd you make that it's really not that hard and you can do it with simple things in your house so I'll be filming it in my house in my kitchen um just trying to make like relatable content because a lot of times I feel like cooking videos are so visually appealing but it's almost like even me sometimes watching stuff I'm like I don't have that or I'm not going to go buy that crazy spice or ingredient I want to use things that are like in my pantry or like things that every the everyday person would have especially being a parent now it's like you want recipes that are impressive because sometimes you want to be a little fancy but sometimes you want to just cook good food so I think that's kind of where where I'm going. I totally agree. I think that's a perfect way to go. Reaches out to the people who are at home, especially now during the virus, we can't go to the store. I think I went to the store once a day during the week. Yeah. And now it's like, I got to plan my meals for the next three weeks because we get a delivery this day. So like you said, having it in the kitchen makes them more confident and more comfortable and just want to follow your recipe it's going to be just be me in my kitchen and then like I said my daughter will come in a couple times and we'll do some like fun stuff with the kids they a lot of like our age group is like everyone's has is having children now and I think it's again I like doing it with my daughter again not always but I think once in a while like having a fun little cooking project to do with them is fun and she's very entertaining as well and I just want people to feel like comfortable watching me and not feel intimidated and um, a lot of actually, when I did my Instagram live, a lot of people were giving me a lot of really good ideas and they were like, oh, you can have a QR code in the back of the hard copy book that links to your video of each recipe. I'm like, I would have never thought of that, but that's a genius idea. And there was other people that gave me a lot of other really cool ideas. So I think it's really nice to keep that. That's why I like to have like a relationship with people like through social media is because if you just write people off and don't respond to them and their messages, it's like, you almost seem like you're a real celebrity or you almost seem like you're unattainable and it's like oh they'll never see this they'll never see me responding to them where I really want people to feel like comfortable doing doing that and cooking with me and it's literally like like it's going to be very interactive so I'm excited about that nice I'm excited for you I hope that really works out and that's cool because like you said you're that hometown type of guy yeah you know what it's like to be in a hometown and really build up your career so you're not you're not better than anyone else no just right not saying you know what I mean no I, I but I agree it's it's I'm just I'm literally like You're that I, hometown guy yeah. who loves to be a family guy really right. wants to just make a living and something he loves for himself and right. his family yeah and I have aspirations and things I want to do but I feel like right now at the stage of my life is like this is like the perfect thing to do and the perfect 
yeah, I think YouTube is getting, it's sometimes it's oversaturated, but I think I can carve out a little bit of like a niche for myself that people will feel comfortable watching me and, and listening to me. And, um, I hope, and I think from the feedback I've gotten, I think people are, the interest is there. It just took me a while to do it. Cause I wanted to do it for a long time when YouTube was like at its height, but I was like, there's so many content creators on there. And like, I want to go back and like, let's like, I want to go back to like cooking food, like, like a cooking show, because I feel like cooking shows are now all reality cooking shows. I was on two of them. So I feel like I want to get back to like having like a fun cooking show that's relatable. Like I used, I, I grew up watching cooking shows. So I grew up watching like Julia Child and Gail Gand and like all these different people on like Food Network and um, yeah. Nice. So is there um, a certain dish that you really want on it that really means a lot to you, um, whether you grew up cooking it with your family or an old recipe? Is there any dish like that you really want to showcase? Yeah. So I started like kind of like very briefly mapping out like the recipes or like where I want to go. And it's so funny, like looking back at myself, like writing down things that I wanted to do or like for my cookbook, I want to include these recipes. And it's like, I've changed so much. That was like 2013 or 14 when I like started thinking about this and it's now 2020 going into 2021. It's crazy to me that I still have that still passion because I had to put it on hold for a while because I was doing so many other things. So there's definitely recipes like that hold nostalgia to me. And I did on Hell's Kitchen, my final menu um, on the all-star season, it was like five courses. And a few of those courses are things that I've done like one of my very first, um, when I became a sous chef at my first job after culinary school, I got like my first dish on a specials menu and I thought I was hot shit. Like I was like, oh my God. And that dish ended up going on the menu of like the actual restaurant. And then like, it's, it was photographed for like this website. And so it's like a little, like that's like nostalgia to me. It's like my first dish that I had on a menu that was like a special and it, it ended up being on Hell's Kitchen. I used it and Chef Ramsay loved it. And one of the things was like a, it was a hollandaise sauce, which I think is people are really intimidated by. And it was a cranberry hollandaise and he was like blown away and like people loved it. And that's going to be on there. So like that dish, it's like nostalgic for me. It's like, okay. Or something I grew up eating. Like my mom makes bomb eggplant Parmesan and like, I'm obsessed with that, but like, let's make that on the show. Cause some people might not know how to make that risotto is a big one for me too or searing scallops that goes back to like hell's kitchen but i also have always worked to the fish station at every restaurant i've worked at so there'll be some of that stuff on there as well maybe some hell's kitchen content where like i recreate a dish that we made on the show or something like that for the fans of hell's kitchen would like to see that so let me like let me a, a mixture of things that's nice because when you make the meals people can reminisce about what they've been doing and right. with you just how it yeah. what it means to you the meal itself it's yeah, not just like a, a meal story time, a story time as well as cooking and I want people to feel like like I want, when I watch certain shows I want to feel comfortable and I want to feel not intimidated or anxious like even like the thought of like recreating a dish I don't want someone to be like oh my god like there's no way I can make that or like he said that's easy but it's really not like I wanted to act, I don't want it to be like so simple where people are like why are you showing us how to you know make butter and pasta but I want to like elevate things that you may have had in your childhood or like I'm really big into like seasonal New England cooking and like progressive and like pushing the boundaries of like flavor combinations and I still want to be a chef and have fun and be creative but I also want to like appeal to the masses and make people feel comfortable doing the things that I grew up cooking and, and feel comfortable being like okay I'm going to make risotto tonight for my family or I'm going to make whatever you know what I mean so 
Yeah, and this is like you said, it's a great time to do it. Everyone's at home. We mm-hmm. have time to do it. We have the free time. Yeah. I think you really hit the nail on the head with the timing because like you yeah. said, YouTube is, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I get stuck in a black hole at YouTube yes. and I search through videos and all of a sudden I went from a cooking video and I'm watching two spiders fight three in the desert. Later. Yes. Yeah, three hours yeah. later, I'm like, why am I watching this person drink five gallons of Mountain Dew? Literally, yep. So I think you random, <laughs> like, yeah, I go like a tangent on YouTube, a visual tangent where I'm like, oh, let me, it's like, it comes up on my page. And I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. I'll watch it. And then I'm like, you said, you end up watching a cooking video and t- 10 minutes later, you're watching like an interview with a celebrity. And then it's like a music video. And then it's like someone fighting or it's just like, there's so much content, but I want to, I kind of want to go back to like cooking shows where it's like, yes, reality TV is funny and it's entertaining and it's at its height right now, or at least it was a few years ago, but I want to get back to like, okay, let's get back to like cooking channels where like people can actually do the things that I'm doing at home. Um, and someone can watch me and be like, wow, he's on YouTube making this food. Like that's something that I could do too. Cause I didn't have that really growing up. Like I didn't, there was no like gay male. There was no like person that had like, like my life, like I look back and I'm like, if I was little or middle school, high school, and I saw a gay chef that ha- adopted a child and that was married and that had this life that I have, it would probably made a world of difference. You know what I mean? Or like someone that looks like you or someone that acts like you are. I just wanted to be relatable. And I think, I I think it could be really good and we'll see. I mean, I'm going to, I want to stick to it and I want to be held accountable and weekly post once I'm going to be starting with once a week. Um, because I have, you know, obviously my catering company and my, the part-time job at the butcher shop and then being a parent and being married is a whole nother job too. (laughs) I get it. Do you have a name for the show yet? I think it's going to be commanding your kitchen and I want to okay. do like recipes, tips and tricks to people becoming their own chef. That's like kind of like the, the general idea and the title would be commanding your kitchen. Now, are you going to be wearing your full hell's kitchen uniform? I'm just, I'm just kidding. So I think I, maybe I will, because I have like my black jacket. I have like the blue one, the red one. I have the bandanas I wore. Maybe I will like bring some of that stuff back for like a hell's kitchen themed episode where I make like beef Wellington or I do a version of it. That's a little more home cook friendly or, you know, one of the dishes we did in the show, maybe. I think Pete, it's funny because I thought people would be overhearing it by now, but people are still consistently asking me questions about a house kitchen. And I don't get tired of it because I know that that's what they want to hear and see and, and know the ins and outs of the show. And I literally talk about hours and hours about a house kitchen and like the behind the scenes stuff. And you know what I mean? So. Yeah, I think it's just because you're such a down to earth person about it. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you're just a regular guy living yeah, a regular totally. life. And that's like <laughs> one part of your life that people right. know you from. Yeah. And I, and I don't mind talking about it because it's, it was, it made me who I am now and maybe the chef that I am now. And it helped me find my independence. And I think it's, it was a really cool journey for me. And I, I obviously I'm happy to always talk about it and inspire, maybe inspire other people to go try out for a TV show because I would have never done it. So I always tell people, if you're thinking about it, just do it. Cause you're going to regret it if you don't. Right. And it came at the perfect time for you. Yeah, it did. And I hate, you know, people always say it was meant to be, but like there, I feel like in some sort of fashion that like me going on Hell's Kitchen the first time, it really like pushed me out of my comfort zone. And I think I needed that push as an adult. Like, I think it was time, like I was 24 and I was like, all right, like you got to go and just do it because I would have regretted it. I really would have. So I'm happy that I did. And it obviously worked out. (laughs) That's so cool. Well, thank you, Nick, for being on the show. Nick, the man of all trades, <laughs> successful father, husband, co-owner, and everything and above. 
do you just want to throw in a plug to anything your catering yeah. business how to get yeah. in contact with you so I have my, my catering website is kitchenislecatering.com. And then we are doing holiday sides and cheese boards for sale um, for the holiday season. And that's kitchen to aisle to go dot square dot site. Um, you can find me on Instagram at chef Nick Peters bond, as well as that's the same handle on Facebook. And then stay tuned for commanding your kitchen. It's going to be a relatable back to basics cooking show on YouTube. Awesome. Well, thank you, Nick, for being on the show. Of course, there you have you. it, guys. Nick Peters Bond, um, a contestant on Hell's Kitchen and a few other shows. And that's a podcast for today. Bye.